Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. This is episode number 103 with our guest, Les Rivera. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing, hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Hey guys, thanks for joining us. You're tuned right into The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Josh Carey. Our guest today has been a commercial airline pilot for more than 30 years with experience that includes flying the Boeing 757 and 767 airplanes. Meet Les Rivera. Les created the Captain Jetson aviation and travel site as a fun hobby, blogging about aviation and travel, sharing his solid travel expertise and tips, just launched in May of 2018, and it's already a very, very great success. After traveling the entire world many times over, visiting and revisiting about every country on earth, Les wanted to share some of his travel and air travel expertise through his site. It's become so much more than a hobby, and he is also the creator of the website, howtosmallbiz.com, which is how to succeed in small business using street smart methods. I'm so excited for this conversation. Help me welcome Les Rivera. How are you, Les? Good, Josh. I'm delighted to be here from Southern California. I love it. Thank you so much. Um, I've always wanted... um, an airline pilot on my show for a lot of reasons, least of which, I don't know, maybe like, maybe, maybe like a lot of small boys. I, I wanted to be a pilot growing up, but I mean, that was just all up here. I, I, I never went down that path. I certainly didn't have the, uh, the school academic application in place to even pursue it, but it was just always something that, you know, who, who isn't intrigued as a child of the airplane, the airplane experience? So long story short, um, I, uh, you know, I flew much of my life in various situations and had no problem. Then really, I think 9-11, I'm sure many could relate to this story. I happened to be living in New York City at the time. That had a profound impact. And from that moment, I then, I had a fear of flying that stuck with me for several years 
And um, today I am thankfully over it. And I, I just love flying. I, I adore flying. I have two small children, a five-year-old and a three-year-old, and they, they love the experience. So it's great. So I'd love to hear um, the idea of fear of flying from, from a captain's point of view. Let's, let's start that conversation. Well, Josh, uh, fear of flying is very, very common. Uh, a lot of people have it. And in, my, in the course of my 32 years as an airline pilot, um, it's probably the single most often asked question from passengers. So you're not alone. What do they ask you? It's the same thing every time. I'm afraid of flying. What do I do? Is, or is, is there my, an answer? Not a simple answer. I know. It's really more of a job for a uh, psychologist or mental health professional because it's all in your head. I can only explain how safe flying is. Logically. Logically. It's but logic. I, I'm not a doctor. I can't cure, cure your, your, the problem that's in your head only. So... What does that do for, or, or, or does it do anything? Because from, from your point of view, flying this plane, 150 or so or more passengers, um, does it quote unquote affect you in any way, knowing that there is an inherent fear in probably a good portion of the people behind you? It doesn't affect me. To me, uh, flying a jet is just like you drive your car. If you have passengers in the back seat, yeah, uh, your job is to stay safe at all times and make them feel comfortable in your car. And the same mission applies to me with my uh, 200 people behind me. So mm -hmm. I just try to create a smooth flight, safe flight, always, and uh, make them feel good. What is your current schedule? Like how many days a month are you flying? I'm really senior after 32 years. So I'm usually averaging in like 20 days off a month. Oh, that's fantastic. And that's by design, right? It, it sort of flip-flopped. Earlier it was the opposite and now you get right. to sort of, yeah. Because airlines are all uh, based on seniority. So a pilot with the airline, when you first get hired, you only have about, let's say, 10 days off a month maybe 12 if you're lucky and when you become real senior you have your first choice of flights and the best flights also have the most days off and that's where i am 20 days off a month average hmm. that's amazing and now you are filling your time um with this this current what did start as a hobby a passion which i think so many great businesses start as um tell me about captain jetson aviation and travel site i know it has um uh, 150 plus articles right and, uh, just just sharing your experience everything from uh airline safety and turbulence to to travel and lodging right that's correct a lot of travel tips uh, of interest to any type of people whether you're interested in air travel train travel boat travel or walking for that matter there's something for everybody some tips guidance uh, guides 
uh, inputs on, on all these aspects, even uh, budget travel, how to do budget travel, or if you prefer luxury travel, or you want to go to Tahiti, I'm a Tahiti expert. I've been there hundreds of times. I love Tahiti. It's my favorite place on earth. So I have three full articles on Tahiti on my site, which are just tremendously popular. So you, you enjoy writing, you must be good at it, yeah? I'm pretty good at it. Um, a lot of people probably think that, oh, here's this dude, he's gotta have an engineering degree, uh, a jet pilot, blah, blah, blah. No, my degree, my bachelor's degree is in English. So I'm very good at writing, I love writing. Uh, in college, I really didn't know what I wanted to do with that degree. So I did the easy part and that was to become a pilot. <laughs> the easy part. Because I love it. Yeah, go ahead. As, as a pilot, there is, you know, contrary to what people believe, there's really no math involved. It's just, uh, you got to have it in your system. And since you have to have a college degree to become an airline pilot, I had no choice but to get, the, the, get a degree. Now in today's world, they do require some science degree preferably but it, back in my days any degree would do i could have had a degree in basket weaving and, and become an airline pilot so so you see um not only 9 11 but naturally progressing over time as technology uh, evolves and whatnot you see a distinct difference with how the industry from your point of view has changed huge difference and 9 11 really made things different now We're it's very politically correct. The old days as an airline pilot was a lot of fun. You would go out with the crew, you would party with the crew, uh, have dinner with the crew, everybody had a blast. But nowadays it's, it's just gotten beyond belief as far as the way things have changed. Look at TSA, which is a necessary evil for all of us. You know, it keeps us safe. But back in those days, uh, it was so easy to get in and out of airports and go flying. From the um, technical standpoint, I've heard that once the aircraft is 100 feet off the ground, mm -hmm. that you could activate the, um, uh, um, why is it slipping my mind? Autopilot? Yes, thank you. You could activate autopilot. You can, but you don't do it. Procedure calls for a thousand foot uh, above the ground minimum. Yeah, okay. that's, that's standard for all the airlines. Nobody will turn on the autopilot at a hundred feet, no. <laughs> so, so a thousand feet, autopilot can kick in. You can, you can turn it on at that time. And you, if you want to, you can keep it on all the way to an auto land. I've heard that. We've heard that, um, right. that, that planes can land themselves. Technically true. It is completely true. Uh, there are certain requirements that when you have to auto land, if the weather is down to a bare minimum, at that point, you do have to auto land, provided the airplane and the runway and the airport uh, are all approved for that type of landing. It's called a, a category three landing. But there are other times when we auto land even in clear weather. Hmm. Uh, 
the airlines encourage you to practice auto land, even in clear lit weather every now and then, just to stay current on the procedure. Of course, you always do it on the uh, annual simulator check rides. But the mostly like wide body guys like myself, we call it wide body, the big airplanes. After a 12 hour flight, let's say you flew all night long from mm. uh, Rio to LA, a 10 hour flight. You've flown all night long, you're dead tired. All three pilots are dead tired, really. Um, we're still fully alert, but we're just, we say, you know what? Let's auto land this airplane. It's so much easier. And we auto land while still monitoring 100% sure. for, yeah. complete, for complete safety. And in that case, it becomes a practice auto, uh, auto land. Hmm. And after we do that, we have to report to the airline that we did an auto land, and that counts as practice. Hmm. Before we leave this segment of the flying experience, I want to touch upon one more thing. And this is totally applicable to a business owner, an entrepreneur, somebody right. tuning in, the, the logic versus emotion. So when we're talking about fear of flying, you can tell somebody, which we've heard the statistics, what is it? Flying is the safest right? Of all travel. So we, we heard that we could logic, but, but it's the emotion that gets in our way. Um, yes. Do you, um, can you just, uh, again, before we leave this segment behind, can you give us the, the truth of the matter in that I've heard that there are so many things, technology technologically in place, the, the, these like fail safes, right? So like, right. it's so rare where like one thing is going to fault and all bets are off, right? Right. There's, there's this procedure in place. Just paint that mm -hmm. picture for, for what's happening really to that we are so safe 30 plus thousand feet in the air. Yeah. There are so many backup systems on the airplanes is unbelievably safe. Uh, if one thing goes wrong, there's always a backup system to take care of that problem. Or the pilots can also bypass the problem by activating other parts of the system so that you get back to normal. So you can compare that with, you turn your lamp on in your room, your light. Oops, it doesn't work. Now what, what do you do? Well, now you can plug that lamp in to another outlet to see if that works. Still doesn't work. Oops, now what do I do? Aha, light bulb. I, I changed the light bulb. Bingo, it works. Mm. Yeah, I'm always fascinated with the, uh, whenever I'm flying, I, I, I become very aware of how in the world, and I'm sure you've heard this, like, like how in the world is this even possible, right? Like, like right. aerodynamically, scientifically, physically, how, how does this even happen? And I'm just like, it's so magnificent, really, that this is, that this is possible. And the other point I love making is just to make my flight from the minute mm -hmm. I arrive at the airport to the minute I get off the plane and leave the airport, right. hundreds and hundreds of people, that very trip of mine had to cooperate, right? And that just, I, I, I love in business too, I love the cooperation of things that nothing happens isolated. And, and the airplane for me really drives that home. Everything from in the airport, on the plane, even 
even while we're waiting to, you know, push back and whatnot, all the people right. around the plane, there are just so many pieces to the puzzle. And I love that collaboration that you are part of. It's like a fine-tuned symphony. Tell me. That's all it is. I mean, there's so many parts. It's uh, a great way to put it. Yes. Every person involved in your particular flight is fine-tuned. I mean, that guy that loads your luggage, he is as important as me flying the airplane. Or that hard-working gate agent and hard-working flight attendant putting up with stress every single day. They conveniently glide into the picture to make your flight comfortable and safe. Hmm. I love it. So, uh, yeah, so let's talk about now your business aspect of this. Uh, we'll, we'll start by focusing on the Captain Jetson website, which right. is a, um, a travel site. Um, and really, like you said, who better to, to, uh, to author this? But um, let's connect those dots. You're not doing this alone, right? You might have started it alone, but today it's turned into there's a legitimate business structure around it, right? You're monetizing it. You have people around you. Paint that picture for us. What goes on behind the scenes there? Yeah, from hobby to actually a business became an accidental thing. I just started the site for fun. Okay. The first month that I put it up, I had 40 people visiting my site. 40? 40 people from around the world. And I said, wow, somebody's actually listening to my two cents worth of aviation and travel tips. And the next thing I knew it, well, it stayed dead for the next two months after that. And I figured, good, I'm not doing it this for anybody. I'm doing it for me. That's what I was going to say, but, but you still showed up, right? You still yeah. had the time. I could show my friends. Look, look, I have a website. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, um, somehow people started finding out about it after I opened some social media accounts to connect to the site. And that's when things really took off. And the next thing I knew, one after another started emailing me, such as contributing writers, people wow. vol volunteering to put articles on my site. I said, sure, why not? If you write uh, quality content, then I'll put, put you in there. And I started doing that. Then I got this uh, guy from uh, Bangladesh, of all places, a super media expert, uh, marketing businesses through social media and other types of media. I got in touch with him and he offered to run the entire media setup for the site for me. I said, yeah, why not? I mean, I got nothing to lose, it's still a hobby. He got his involvement and all of a sudden it just skyrocketed on social media and you can see it on the site. Uh, the numbers of followers that we have is yeah. after one year yeah. and every follower follower there is actually built one by one because I told him in order to build followers, although he's the expert, I said, just apply what I do on my retail businesses and my other businesses and build a customer one by one because mm. It is entirely possible to purchase followers on social media, mm -hmm. but the problem is you do that, number one, 
you don't have quality followers. Nobody's really following you. You have numbers. There you go. Num number two, the social media, let's say Twitter, they may say, wait a minute, Mr. Captain Jetson, you just purchased 10,000 followers. That's fake. Those are bots. We're going to suspend your account. Mm -hmm. And I did not want that. So that's the line we follow there. And as far as other people, the guy that does my website, uh, when I need professional stuff done, he is in Bulgaria, uh, Croatia. And he is really fantastic. I told him I wanted a busy website, a spectacular website, because it's a travel site. I need a lot of pictures, a lot of activity. I want excitement, not a vanilla website, black and white, that looks boring. Some people don't like that busy look, but most people do. Hmm. And then to learn WordPress, I have to give the credit to another New Yorker or another guy in Jersey, Bud Krause. He became my very good friend after I took his WordPress courses. And they're all free online on his website. And that's how I initially made my own site before my professional webmaster, Davor, in um, Croatia got involved. So all of a sudden, I had all these volunteer people building the greatest uh, aviation and travel website with tips, advice, guides, uh, what have you. Where does a, a lifelong career airline pilot become a businessman? And I know that in your past, you have over eight businesses that you've run over, over the years. Where did that come from? Well, early on in my uh, airline career, I still had my you know, 10 to 12 days off in the beginning. And these were entire days spent at home. Of course, with my family, first of all. But at the same time, I figured, what else can I do with that? And then my brother, who always told me that when we were kids, he said, I will never, ever become a wage slave. That, those were my brother's words, mm. meaning, meaning an employee. Mm -hmm. I said, good for you, Freddie. You know. Uh, I'm a pilot, uh, hand to mouth, I'll, I'll work for a living. <laughs> but then I watched how Freddie, my brother, started one business after another, and everything he touched turned into Midas gold. Wow. Freddie doesn't have a college degree. He has a high school diploma, and he, today he's a very, very wealthy, super wealthy businessman. That's right. So I kind of like learned from him how to do things. And that's where the beginning street smart uh, methods that I'm talking about on my website comes in. On my website, how to small biz. So I decided to start my own business. And one thing led to another. Every business has started turned into gold, except a couple. I took a punch in the face on a couple of them. But two of my most successful businesses really, really helped me a lot. Uh, when I sold my last business, which is actually a laundromat, that I purchased for very little. It was a wreck of a place, and it was in a bad area. So I figured I, I 
did my due diligence and figured how can I turn this wreck of a laundromat into a thriving place and at least double my money, sell it and get out. Look at you. Okay. Yeah. I figured how to do that using my street smarts from 30 years. Aha. I do this, this, this. Um, so two years or actually two and a half years after I purchased that laundromat, I sold it for four times what I paid for it. And with a net profit, I was able to purchase a Lamborghini Huracan for cash. So I had no loan on it. That was my reward for starting that business. So that's when I came up with the idea, you know what? Let me start a business website and I'll pass on my two cents worth of uh, street smarts on that site. Uh, so I figured, well, how can I do that? Well, let me portray my Lamborghini to show people this is a real thing. It's no BS. I purchased this for cash, net profit. Check with my CPA if you don't believe me. Uh, and that's how that came about. But that site is still very, very young. I just started it. So I don't have any traffic on there yet. Maybe my 40 visitors a month. I don't know. I see where uh, this is going. Yeah, the, the and 40 it's visitors. And it's not a website for money yet. I have no ads. I have no AdSense. I, I wouldn't even qualify for AdSense at this time. I don't have enough visitors. But that to me is my fun site now. If it leads to a revenue site, great. And I think it will because a lot of people, people are showing a lot of interest in this street smarts. So first of all, I can't believe you're a Lambo guy, completely yeah. surprised that you're like, here's my splurge. <laughs> That's what I'm going to splurge on the Lambo. I love it. Um, tell me about, cause I know that the, uh, the laundromat story was a success story, but you, you referenced one or two businesses that, you know, really got you in the gut. I'm sure you learned right. so much. Tell me about one of those. Well, the one that really gave me a kickstart was the business that I had. Uh, I was a concert and festival promoter in LA, putting on festivals, concerts, um, promotions. And at the same time, uh, I became the um, publicity guy for a uh, actually well-known New York musician, artist, uh, I can't tell you his name right now because uh, I have a confidentiality agreement. Mm -hmm. I worked from behind the scenes and I got him elevated quite a bit in the media. So that business brought in a lot of money. But the danger of that type of business was that, let's say if I put on a festival and I spent $50,000 on that summer festival and nobody showed up, guess what? I just lost 50 grand. Let's say if you want to put on a festival and the city where you have the festival, they say, well, you need to pay us $30,000 to guarantee police security. Mm -hmm. Those are numbers. Then you got to get the bands. Okay, I need uh, the headliner is a band from New York City. So I got to pay for 10 band members to come over to LA, then pay there. $5,000 charge for performing at my festival, security cost, uh, tons and tons of cost. Um, it costs a lot to put on. So if people don't show up, you lose your shirt. But I got very lucky on that too. I had full house 
uh, every time I arranged a festival, concert, what have you. And I built that for about eight years. And then by the time I sold it, uh, it was another huge success story. I put a lot of money into the bank. Good for you. And let's not let this part get lost. At the same time, you're still flying planes. Absolutely. My regular daytime job, yes, was to fly jets. And then today that's, I have 20, about 28,000 hours of flying time at this time. So as you can see, uh, that era of my life is slowly winding down. So when I become retired, I don't want to be bored. So I have my websites. I love the idea of street smarts. Um, where do you, how do you obtain street smarts? How do you grow the street smarts? How do you, how do you work with that? How have you developed all of that? Is it just experience and on the job training? Yes. Uh, I don't have a business degree, as you know. Uh, I did not have any formal business education, although I took a lot of courses online just right. to enrich myself. And I studied what other successful people did. And I'm talking about uh, the Bill Gates of the world. How did, how did they get there? I mean, at some point, they were just like you and I. And I have no dream of getting to that point. I just want to be able to pay for my mortgage. And, uh, and your Lamborghini. My Lamborghini and put food on the table. <laughs> and that's all I need. But that's how I learned. And then my number one inspiration was my brother, my business brother, uh, who taught me a lot. And he's my younger brother. So he got me good on that one. Um, I have business friends who explain to me how they, they do things. And they always told me, in order to be successful in business, Forget about a business degree because those nerds are so into numbers and overly careful. They don't take risks. They're not getting anywhere. And then what I repeatedly, repeatedly heard from uh, my friends who are really big business people is, is that there's nothing wrong about getting a business degree, MBA. It's fantastic if you wish to work for somebody else. But if you're in business for yourself, you're not a businessman, you're an entrepreneur. And entrepreneurs think differently. And that's why entrepreneurs, they take the calculated risks and chances that big corporations don't. And either you fall flat on your back or you succeed, succeed big. And that's what street smarts are. I love it. And the um, falling on your face is um, often um, valuable. It is, and I, that happened to me twice. I don't need to get into to that, but I tried a couple of other businesses and I thought I had it nailed, but I didn't. Mm -hmm. But what I do, I think that's different from other business people. And I talk about this on the website, although it's a new website, due diligence, that's the key to everything. I, don't, I do not invest one penny in any business until I'm 100% sure it will succeed. I learned that in the later years. And how to do that is also what, what, I, what I will be discussing on the website over time as it builds, the methods that I use. I already have 
few things in there explaining what I do. I'm not saying that would work for you. All I can say is it worked for me. What was, um, what was it like growing up in your world as a young child? Paint that picture for us. I want to see if you always had this entrepreneurial spirit and what might have influenced you growing up. How was life like as a young child? Well, it was very... Um, my parents always instilled education and... Uh, confidence as far as having a can-do attitude which i basically have for my dad my dad was uh always had that can-do attitude in order to picture my dad um you can picture a young or you can picture a ricky ricardo in i love lucy less the recklessness of ricky ricardo but a confident ricky ricardo you had the same um, Spanish Puerto Rican guy that everything he did was confidence and he kicked butt and he saw results and he just couldn't mess with him. I mean, he would, he would be fair, but this can-do attitude, he instilled that in me and I brought that on to my life and succeeded accordingly, I guess. Same thing well, with fly, flying. Yeah. I mean, I have that can-do attitude. There's nothing I cannot fix in an airplane if something goes wrong. You're not gonna ever gonna be in an accident or die on my airplane. That's my attitude because there's nothing I cannot fix. If there is not a checklist for something, hey, screw that, I can fix it. So that's the type of attitude you have to have in flying, business, or anything I do. This is just me without bragging. Yeah. I'm not bragging. I hear yeah. I, I admit my mistakes. I make a lot of mistakes, but what I do with those mistakes, I learn from them and then move on. How did you, how did you get into the flying career? The very beginning, I remember going to school. We lived in Norway where my dad was based because I was born in New York, three months old. They moved to Norway, lived there for 13 years. You I said was based, was he military? Yes, okay. uh, NATO. NATO. Uh, uh, and, uh, station uh, via NATO uh, in Norway. Okay. Um, I walked to school one day and I saw this jet uh, 30,000 feet up in the air, saw the contrails. I paused for a second and I said, hmm, I think I want to do that when I grow up. And then on top of that, I was watching Jetsons, the cartoon Jetsons on television. I was so fascinated by the Jetsons that, wow, that will be my future. We're going to be flying in, in uh, cars. Fly, flying cars and what have you. But that did not happen. So anyway, we moved back to the U.S. We moved to San Diego. We lived close to Miramar Naval Air Station in San Diego. And I was watching the planes come in and out basically every day. And that's how I got interested in flying for a little bit. But then I wasn't really that interested. So in, in uh, high school, my girlfriend and I, we went to a, uh, an air show. It was actually a civilian air, air show. And we looked at these airplanes. I wasn't too interested, just airplanes. But that's when she said, you know what? You would look dang good as a pilot. 
I said, me, pilot? Nah, I don't like flying. And then the next thing, I went to college, had no clue what I wanted to do. And one day my dad said, you know what? Soon you're gonna graduate from college and don't count on staying home for free anymore. You need to make up your mind. What, what would you like to do? So I applied for medical school and at the same time I was taking flight lessons, lighter flight lessons. I started that. And um, coming closer to uh, graduation, um, back in those days, even medical school, you did not need uh, you know, science degree to, to get in. So I actually, uh, after taking the, uh, I forgot the name of it, the this MCAT test or no. Uh, this, one of those. So, one of those. I passed that one uh, perfectly, and I got accepted for medical school. But by that time, I had already become a private pilot, uh, commercial pilot, and I had my, all my licenses. So now the choice was, what do I do? Hmm. But by that time, I really liked flying. So I said, okay, I'll be a pilot. And here we are. Yeah. Can you, um, my brand, The Hidden Entrepreneur, was founded on the premise that I spent a lifetime practically hiding behind fear, using that as an excuse for everything. Uh, even through your, your confidence and can-do attitude, can you share a time where you were presented with a great deal of fear and you had to work right through that? Yeah, fear is normal. Even I am faced with that. But that's when the confidence factor comes in. Yes, it's normal to feel fear. But I think some people need to work on overcoming fear. What is fear? Fear is the unknown. You know, what do I do with that unknown factor? But if you have the confidence to overcome that unknown factor then everything will be fine as far as myself being faced with fear i can't really think of an example as a pilot yeah there there have been times uh where things could have gone wrong there isn't a uh, professional pilot out there in the world uh who can say otherwise if he or she does, uh, he or she is lying. But I, I cannot identify any particular moment, um, maybe a moment, momentary severe case would be um, one time taking off from Paris on the, on my, in my DC-10. Right after departure, the uh, we were in IFR or in overcast conditions. The controller comes on, the French controller, saying, uh, giving, you know, calling me on my call sign, my airline's call sign, saying, uh, make an immediate turn to search and search heading as we are climbing up after departure. And of course, you react to that immediately means immediate. So I banked, banked uh, the jet over 
And as I do that, we are about to come out of the clouds and this other airliner is hmm. pass, passing above us uh, within a few feet. It was a controller mistake. That set in fear for a second. But when I saw, I actually saw the wing of that airplane just a few feet above me, I just uh, increased my bank angle and I got out of the situation. And after that, I felt very good about what I just did. I just saved uh, the lives of a couple hundred people behind me and my own. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So much application to the entrepreneur in just having the confidence, having the, the wherewithal to know that uh, possibly in real time, in the moment, I'll be able to make because of my, my, uh, my knowledge, my experience, my expertise, my can-do attitude, I'll be able to adjust at a moment's notice to save everything. Exactly. You could say it's an instant ability to remedy. And you can only get to that point by putting in the time prior, right? Experience, yes. As a young pilot, I wouldn't have had that knowledge or experience. But when you become an old fart like me, uh, you've seen, seen it all, done it all, and you know uh, you can hack it or you can handle it. So, yeah. Amazing. What mantra do you live by today? Always optimistic, loving life, loving every moment of life. Uh, I can't wait to get up in the morning because I have so much to do every day, whether I am at work, doing my websites, walking my German shepherd, spending time with my family. Every moment is fun. Was it always that way for most of your life? Just this optimistic, excited? Oh yeah, since, since birth. Wow. I've always been that way. I, I, I always smile. I, I don't know, I, I just never sad. I have my sad moments, but sure. uh, if I'm sad at something, it lasts maybe five minutes and then <laughs> big deal, move on. Hmm. And uh, how, many, how many more years are you gonna be flying for? Uh, three and a half more years, then I have to retire. Have to, the, yeah. the industry mandates it. Yes, it does. And then, and, then, and then what for you? Now you have 30 days off a month. I, I'm looking forward to, you know, first of all, other people when they retire, what do they usually tell you? What are you going to do when you retire? I'm going to travel. I'm going to see the world. You Done know, that, yeah. Walter Cronkite, when he retired, one of the questions he got from the media was just that question. What are you going to do now, Walter, now that you're retired? His answer well, my wife told me that now she really wants to travel and see the world. But I told her, I have already seen the world, so we're going to spend our lives at home. <laughs> and that's the way you feel. Exactly. I, if I can help it, I really don't, don't like to see another airplane the day I retire, except an occasional trip because I have to go someplace. And I'll probably continue traveling to, to uh, Tahiti, my favorite place on earth. Is that, yeah? And um, 
do my businesses, start new businesses, because now I will really have time to escalate my business ventures, uh, grow my websites, my two websites, mm -hmm. and just have fun. You've mentioned Tahiti a couple of times, so that is your absolute favorite spot. Um, I've never been. What do I need to know? What's so wonderful? It is the paradise that people portray, but it's a very expensive place to go um, as far as airfare, hotel, what have you. But there are ways to, to do Tahiti budget travel too. And I discussed that in my articles on wow. captainjetson.com. I have uh, three Tahiti articles that you can access from the homepage in the right sidebar. Uh, explaining a lot how to experience Tahiti and <clears throat> I would say it's paradise if you go at the right time a year like I always discuss because when it's um, when it's summer there it's really humid extremely hot and humid a little bit worse than the worst of uh, Houston Texas in the summer <laughs> mm hot and sticky, uh, but go at the right time. There's so many things that makes it paradise. Wow, but that's great. Most of all, it's the people. Very, very nice people. They speak French, um, Tahitian French, and the Tahitian French dialect is very different from regular French. I speak seven languages fluently, but really, wow. I, I'm, I'm having problems with the Tahitian French. Tahitian French. So, but the good thing, most everybody in Tahiti speak English. So that makes it an attractive place for Americans to go. Wow. I'm, still, I'm still caught up on the fact that you speak seven languages fluently. That's amazing. I do. It start, that started back in school in Norway, where mm. uh, langu you know, uh, their lang language is Norwegian, but mandatory in school there is English from, I think, third grade, along with uh, German, French, and other wow. languages. So, are you spiritual or religious in any ways? No, I, I, I won't say that. No, no, no. Uh, I wasn't brought up that way, um, so that was never really a part of my life. Uh, it's just the way I am. Got it. Or yeah. like my, uh, like my aunt would say, "Asi soy" is how I am. <laughs> I love the attitude. Um, wrapping this whole thing up, what is the message? What is the core message you like to be sharing here? I would say that I think there's something good in every human being. Uh, and every human being have the ability to become whoever they want to become. And I think the... Uh, key to getting to that point is within yourself nobody's going to give you anything it has to start with you then if you dream of becoming anything in life or within your specialty area an entrepreneur a business person growing something then you have everything you need inside here if you just apply yourself 
It's simple. so true. It is simple and so true. And I can say that um, with confidence today because I wasn't always that way. Didn't always believe it or believed it, but didn't see it. Now all of it is, is a great big yes. Uh, I will leave you with this final question. Les Rivera, how, yes. would, you like, how would you like to be remembered? Just like to be remembered for being my natural self. Uh, people know that I never BS. Uh, I'm very honest, very kind until the point where you step on me unfairly, then watch out. Um, and that's how I prefer people to remember me. Absolutely beautiful. I loved this conversation. Um, Likewise. I I, I thank you so much for, for coming on. Certainly, um, on paper, what fascinates me so much is, is who you are, who you've always been, who you're becoming. On paper, you wouldn't see that coming. And that's, those, these are the kinds of people that I just adore, that I love speaking with, because it just shows um, one thing doesn't have to define you. You don't have to stay in one label. Anything is possible. Really cool to have you here, Les. I really appreciate being on the uh, famous Josh Carey show. And it was really an honor to be here. And you know what, Josh, in closing, this is the first time somebody has asked me to appear on their media since I started these websites. So you actually made world history for Captain Jetson and how to small business at this point, because in the future, when you read about me or see me in the big magazines, then you can say it all started at the Josh Carey show. Here we are. I love it. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Thank I really you, appreciate that. And thank you for everybody tuning in to the live broadcast or to the native podcast in its form on Apple, Google, or Spotify. Leave us a review. I love reading what you have to say. We're going to say some more again before too long in a brand new episode. Until we do, thanks for tuning in. Go get them. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.